Ephesians 3, starting at verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Chris. So we're about to hear from Carl. So uh, just a reminder for everyone that that's going to come up on the, on the video there. We'll turn these middle lights off. It just makes it a little bit easier to see. Um, now, I was in a discussion, I was going to say corrected, I had a discussion with Katie when we got home last week about how it wasn't only a couple of months ago, it was probably more than probably eight to ten months ago that these sermons were originally given by Carl to uh, his fellowship at the branch in Launceston. And so some of the references around what's going on in the world, while it's very similar now, uh, just cast your mind back to uh, 10 months ago. Um, so without any further ado, we'll get into this uh, communion with God. Thanks, Ben. Other people that maybe you don't uh, really look forward to seeing that much, maybe you, you find it hard to talk to them. It can be a little bit like that with God. The question that we're thinking about today is not, do you have a relationship with God through trusting in Jesus? The question that we're thinking about today is, what is the quality of your relationship with God? What is your experience of relating to God? Is it rich and wonderful and full of delight and joy? Or is it a bit thin and pretty empty? When was the last time that thinking about God brought a smile to your face and lightness to your heart? When was the last time joy kind of overflowed out of you because of who God is and what he's done? When was the last time uh, you just enjoyed God simply for who he is and not because of him getting you out of a tight scrape? When was the last time you spent time in prayer, just speaking about God and enjoying God himself? If the answer is never, or almost never, then this is the sermon for you. Because we were made for that kind of relationship with God. We were made for that kind of rich and beautiful interaction with God. Uh, that rich and beautiful interaction with God is at the heart of prayer. Like last week, we're going to be jumping around uh, various places in the Bible, but the key place we'll be looking at and working from is the New Testament letter of Ephesians chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. If you haven't read that yet, you might like to pause the video now and read that before you go on. 
Well, those verses from Ephesians chapter 3 are really profound. They're a prayer from Paul that show his own rich and deep communion with God. And they're a prayer that the Ephesian Christians would have that same kind of deep and rich communion with God. Paul says in verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul begins by coming to the Father in prayer. And what does he pray for? He prays according to verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul wants them to be strengthened by the spirit in the very core of who they are. And for what reason? Well, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Notice that Paul's prayer is deeply Trinitarian. Father, Son and Spirit are all there. He cries out to the Father for the Ephesians to be strengthened by the Spirit so they might be indwelt by Christ. Prayer is this relational thing. It's seeking after the God who made us and loves us, but it's seeking after communion with God in all that he is, not just with Jesus, not just with the Spirit, not just with the Father. It's, it's speaking and seeking after all the persons of the Trinity individually and together. Gregory Nazianzus, one of the early church fathers, once said, No sooner do I conceive of the one than I am illumined by the splendor of the three. No sooner do I, con do I distinguish them than I am carried back to the one. So often we get stuck on just Jesus or just the Spirit or just the Father. But Paul's prayer shows us that he wanted the Ephesians to be filled with all the fullness of God by experiencing rich communion with the Father, the Son and the Spirit, with each member of the Trinity. When we pray and commune with God, we ought to seek after communion with each member of the Trinity. We ought to pray with an awareness of the Father, the Son and the Spirit, not all at once. But as we move from reflecting and delighting in the Father, we move to reflecting and delighting in the Son, whom the Father has glorified. And we move from the Son who has honoured the Father to the Spirit, whom the Father and the Son have sent so that they can make their home in us. And we move from the Spirit to the Son who gives us strength, uh, so that Christ may dwell in us, so that we might comprehend uh, the love of God. The Spirit gives us the strength, the inner strength, so that we can uh, think about and receive the love of God, as we'll see. And, and we think of them all, not just individually, but, but together, uh, working hand in hand uh, for God's glory and our good. How do we do that? Well, one of the key ways that we commune with God uh, and relate to God in that way is through prayer. Uh, we commune with God in prayer uh, by understanding, first of all, who he is, who is the Father, who is the Son, who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, how does the Father's work benefit us? How does the Son's work benefit us? How does the Spirit's work 
benefit us? How does the Father relate to the Son and, and, and the Spirit and, and so on and so on? If we don't know that, then our communion with God in prayer will be shallow. But if we're to understand who God is for our prayer to be this rich communion with Father, Son and Spirit, that means that we must begin our prayer, our communion with God, with the knowledge of who God has revealed himself to be. Our communion with God has to begin with the Bible. It doesn't begin with our feelings about God, but it begins with our knowledge of who God is, and that knowledge stirs us up to enjoy God and to pray to God, uh, to, to pray to the God who has made himself known. In that sense, communion with God is not only giving, but receiving. We receive God's revelation of himself in the Bible, and we give back to us, uh, we give back from us to him uh, in prayer. Well, in order for us to understand how we can commune with God more fully in prayer, in the rest of the sermon, we'll be focusing on how we can commune with each of the Father, Son, and Spirit in uh, relation to the specific grace that each of them give to us. So how do we commune, first of all, then, with the Father? Well, one of the greatest models for how we relate to the Father comes from Jesus himself. His life is a model of love and devotion and fellowship and commitment to the Father. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he teaches them to begin with our Father. Prayer is typically addressed to the Father, not because he is more powerful than the Son or more important than the Spirit, but because that is who he is. Paul says in Ephesians 3 that he kneels before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. There's a kind of play on words there in the original Greek. Paul is kind of saying that God is the Father from whom every human fatherhood is derived. In other words, fatherhood is at the very core of who God is. Our family groupings reflect his nature. Uh, how do we relate to the Father then? Well, at the risk of stating the obvious, we relate to him as a child relates to a father. Not as we relate to a sinful, uh, to our sinful human fathers who don't always know what's in our best interests. No, we relate to God uh, as the perfect father who always cares for us, who always does us good, who, who sometimes gives us what we didn't ask for and sometimes keeps from us what we did ask for because he knows exactly what we need. We come to the Father full of expectation. We come as co-heirs with Christ of all God's promises. We come with absolute rock-solid confidence. We come with love and delight. I was talking to someone the other day who shared with me something about their, their own father. It turns out that their dad is a quite a talented musician, uh, and I had no idea about that. And they said to me something like, that's just another reason why I think that my dad is the greatest person I've ever known. It's a beautiful example of someone's love for their father. Sadly, of course, not every person is able to have that kind of love for their earthly father. But we can all have that love 
for our Heavenly Father, an even greater love than that. There is no greater Father than our Father in Heaven, and we can come to Him in prayer. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that we are children of God, and so we cry out, Abba, Father. The appropriate response to God's fatherhood is to cry out, to speak to Him. But in the context of Romans 8, the cry of Abba, Father is not simply about familiarity. It's also about longing to obey the Father. You see that lived out in the life of Jesus. Jesus' life on earth was marked by deep longing and desire to honour and serve the Father. That desire sprung from his deep love and familiarity with the Father. Think of his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Jesus prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. At the heart of communion with the Father is deep and loving submission to his will. Not a submission that doesn't acknowledge the hardships and the struggles, but a deep and loving submission that says, Father, this is hard for me, but not my will, yours be done. The theologian Edmund Clowney writes, Real prayer can be destroyed by sentimentality. We dare not say, Abba, Father, without recognising that the Father is Lord of heaven and earth. At the heart of prayerful communion with God is a loving desire to enjoy God by conforming to his perfect will. Paul says that when he comes to the Father in prayer, he bows his knee. He comes to a loving Father, absolutely. But he comes in absolute submission and trust. There's no greater delight than to come to the Father in an earnest desire to know him more as our Father and submit to him more fully. So we commune with the Father as our loving Father, but we also pray and commune with the Son. Although Jesus instructs us to pray to the Father, there is a place for speaking with and communing uh, with and enjoying the Son and the Spirit as well. Certainly the Bible shows us that Jesus as the Son is worthy of the same praise and worship as the Father. For instance, in Revelation chapter 5, we hear the assembly in heaven crying out to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. And we can find examples such as Stephen in Acts chapter 7 addressing his prayer to Jesus to rescue him. Lord Jesus, he says, receive my spirit. So although we address prayer chiefly to the Father, it can be legitimate to address the Son or the Spirit directly in relation to their own work, which is to say that we relate to the persons of the Trinity in the way, in response to the way in which they relate to us. How do we relate to the Father? Well, we relate to the Father as a Father. That's why prayer is chiefly addressed to the Father. How do we relate to the Son? Well, first, we relate to him as our mediator. Just before the verses we read from Ephesians 3, Paul says in verse 12, In him, that is in Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. 
Jesus is the one through whom we can approach the Father. Again, Edmund Clowney writes, Jesus does not simply offer to us the example of sonship in prayer. Rather, he does what only he could do. He saves sinners and brings them to the Father. Jesus has not just modelled prayer. Jesus has opened the way for us to call God our Father. It's important to understand that there is no way to the Father apart from through God the Son, Jesus Christ. In the Bible, not everyone is God's son. Only Christians are God's sons and daughters because access to God comes through Jesus' death and resurrection in our place. In other words, communion with God is a privilege that only comes through knowing and trusting Jesus. Our communion with God is anchored in our union with Christ, which we receive through our faith in him. Union is the foundation. Union with Christ is the foundation from which our communion with God flows. And while our experience of communion with God can grow or diminish at certain times in our lives, our union with Christ through faith in him is a constant that doesn't change. If you have entrusted your life to Jesus, then you are God's child and you can always come to God through prayer with boldness. That doesn't change. On the other hand, if you haven't given up everything uh, to follow and to trust Jesus, then you, you can't do that. You, you can't come to God with boldness and confidence. But God invites you to do that by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do that, then you can relate, note and relate to the God uh, of heaven and earth. But if you have come to Jesus, then whenever you come to God in prayer, you should come conscious that it's through the Son. The way we commune with Jesus is by coming to the Father through the Son. The words, in Jesus' name we pray, are not just empty words that we tack on to the end of a prayer, but in Jesus' name is the foundation of every syllable of prayer that we ever utter. Such that even as you speak to the Father, you speak through the Son. Prayer is a double communion to the Father through the Son. We pray, Father, I come to you as your child. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've opened the way for me to your Father. So in prayer, we commune with the Father as our loving Father. We commune with the Son, who is our mediator. We also commune with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us children of God. If the death and the resurrection of Jesus has opened up the way for us to become children of God. It's the Spirit who actually makes us children of God by giving us new birth into the family of God. So when we call God Father, we do it out of an awareness that the Spirit has brought us into God's family. The Spirit has fundamentally changed who we are. We are no longer defined by our nationality or gender or job title. We're defined by one thing. We're children of God. So as we pray, Abba, Father, we do that through the Spirit. 
Moreover, Paul prays in, Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3 for the Father to strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Through the Spirit comes communion and fellowship with the Son. And through the Son comes access to the Father. To pray with an awareness of those realities is to commune with God and to begin to delight in God and in each member of the Trinity in themselves, but also in how they minister their grace to us. Finally, the Bible tells us that the Spirit helps us to pray. It says in Romans 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit helps us in our weakness to pray, to commune with God. He does that by knowing what's in our hearts better than we do. He does it by expressing what we're trying to express to God better than we can. And he does it by turning our often selfish and self-interested requests into things that line up with God's will and purpose. So as we pray, we commune with the Spirit, or rather, the Spirit communes with us. He comes to help us, to strengthen us, to groan with us, and to pray with us. And as we realize that, as we appropriate that and enjoy that, our communion with God deepens. We pray, Heavenly Father, I come to you as your child. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've opened the way for me to the Father, and Holy Spirit, know my heart and make my innermost thoughts known to the Father. Help me to pray. We come to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. So in prayer, we commune with the Father uh, as the loving Father. We commune with the Son, who is our mediator. We also commune with the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us, unites us with Jesus and helps us in our weakness to pray. But before we finish, let me point out one last thing. Notice in Ephesians 4, uh, in Ephesians 3, sorry, the end to which Paul prays, he says in verse 17 that his prayer is that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays to the Father that they might be strengthened by the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in them. He prays for Christ to dwell in them so that they might know the height and length and breadth and depth of the love of God in Christ. And he prays for them to know the fullness of the love of God in Christ so that they might be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. To be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God is not to become divine. It's not to become uh, God, nor is it simply to become mature. Rather, it's to be filled up with as much knowledge of God as it is possible for a human being to know. It is to be full with God. That is the great 
end of communion with God. That is the great end of prayer, to be filled with the love of God, to kneel before the Father, to be strengthened by the Spirit, to be united with the Son so that the love of God fills our hearts so that God himself, God himself can fill our hearts. Well, I found it recently to begin my day and to begin my time of reading the Bible and praying by reciting these words from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. I do that to remind myself that the end of what I'm doing is to delight in God with my inmost being because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy just to read the Bible uh, and to pray without that awareness of what are we doing? We're hearing God speak to us so that our inmost being might delight in him. We're praying to God out of the overflow of that deep and rich joy in him. Of course, there's so much more that we can say about communing with God. There's so much more that we can say because communing with God is only limited by our knowledge of God. And what we can know about God is unending. God is infinite. There's always something more that we can know about him from his word that will enrich our communion and enjoyment of him. The 17th century theologian John Owen wrote, So much as we see the love of God, so much shall we delight in him and no more. Our delight in God is limited by the love of God. And the love of God is expounded and built up by our knowledge of God in Christ Jesus. Well, I wonder if you've ever experienced or known that love. I wonder if you've ever known that fullness. I wonder if you've ever known the delight of your heart being filled by God as you come to the Father in prayer through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. That is what God offers us in prayer. That's what God offers you in prayer. That's what God offers us in the gospel, to know him, to know his love, and to be filled with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, great God of heaven and earth. We come to you in our hearts are full because you are a wonderful God. You are a God who calls us your children. Oh Lord, it's hard for us to fathom. It's hard for us to grasp what it means that we could be called children of God, but that is what we are. Father, you're such a loving God, full of grace, full of mercy, full of compassion. You know intimately our situation, you always give us what we need. You never keep anything from us that we need for life and godliness. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. And we thank you that you sent your Son so that through him we might come to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for entering our world, taking on humanity, becoming like us, becoming a merciful and faithful high priest, that we 
can come through you to your Father so that we might know your Father as you know him. Oh, Lord Jesus, we give you praise and we honour you for that. Holy Spirit, we thank you and we pray that you would continue to do what you have already done, that is, to strengthen us in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray that through that we might know the love of Christ, the height and the breadth and the depth and the length of the love of Christ, which is beyond knowing. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us that strength so that we might be truly filled to all the fullness of God. Oh, for that, Lord, that our hearts would be full. Lord, we confess that so often our hearts are not full. They're full, not of you, at least, full of ourselves, full of our hopes and our dreams, our aspirations. Oh, but Lord, that they would be full of you. Please do that mercy. Do above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. We ask it for Jesus' sake and in his name. Amen.